1: Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 5. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Cazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday. Steelers Nation, no Pittsburgh Steelers training camp today. Players having the day off until they're back on the field Tuesday, Wednesday. A closed walkthrough practice on Thursday in the preseason opener on Friday. So it is officially game week for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Dave, how you doing?
0: Because it's game week, I'm doing a lot better. You know, we—I we, was thinking last night. You know, why? Why? What are the things that we really look forward to uh, doing as part of what we do? Uh, you know, obviously there's so many things to cover, but I mean, the the highlight of I think of anything that you and I both do is actually. Watching the games, rewatching the games, watching <laughs> the All 22, what you know, actually watching football, right? I mean, that's, how about that? that? Uh, imagine that of uh, a uh, 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 you know a site that covers the Steelers and. Uh, specifically the game of football. So uh, that's the thing that's got me, I think, excited the most is we actually have the first preseason game coming up on Friday. Uh, we'll have the all 22 right after that, and and it'll be the things. You know, all the other stuff, look, I love covering the cap as well, too. You know, that is one of my favorite things to do and obviously checking in on the news. But the reason we do this is because of the game of football, and, and we'll have a students football game on Friday night. I don't know how how you can't be pumped for that.
1: Yeah, really excited for that, excited to see these guys because camp practices and performances are one thing and they're important and they're a valuable portion of our evaluation and analysis, but nothing replaces what happens inside a stadium against people you don't know and when everything is live. And so that's going to be the really exciting part there. Dave, let's jump on into just a bit of housekeeping here to start. The show Pittsburgh Steelers working out at least one player this Monday bringing in Offensive lineman Brandon Kipper for a workout. That's according to Aaron Wilson. Kipper is a guy that Pittsburgh had some interest in at the NFL PA Bowl Uh, in January. He was at Oregon State, a pretty versatile player. Uh, He's played, I think, uh, right guard, right tackle, and right guard, you had noted, um, back early in the draft process. So Pittsburgh, I don't know if they're going to sign him or just kind of a speed dial type of thing, but Pittsburgh bringing in Brandon Kipper today.
0: Yeah, that's one of you know, when you talk about the lower level all-star games, which by the way, I guess the I'm hearing the NFL PA bowl might go away, right?
1: hmm Yeah, uh, I think it was Tony Pauline reporting that.
0: Yeah. Uh that's that that's sad news. Uh but uh when it comes to that, you know, there weren't obviously we didn't have anybody there and there was very little news to come out of there, but that was one I, I, I think player that you know, this it was it was linked to the Steelers and all. And I actually ran down a quick tape rabbit hole uh with him to, just to see what he's all about uh nice size and i think the thing that stuck out to to me was the fact that uh you know he was versatile but i i i kind of viewed him as a you know sort of a a, a tackle uh, type athlete that that probably better best suited to play uh, at at guard. I thought he had some very interesting snaps in there at Oregon State, and it, and it was kind of easy to when you when you looked at his tape to see why the Steelers might be attracted to him. Now he obviously he ended up I think with who the Ravens. Uh, uh, and then they have since, since, uh, waived him, I think now I have not read anything of where they were trying to work him at tackle or at guard. And obviously him, you know, being out on the street at, 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 at this point early in camp, it's not a, not a great thing for him there, but it will be interesting to see, you know, we obviously, we don't know if they've got any, the Steelers have. You know, they're just trying to build up the Rolodex at this point or what uh, there. But uh, it there was some interesting tape to say the least when it came to Kipper, especially at right uh, at one of the guard spots there.
1: And my feeling is this is probably just a speed dial thing. Pittsburgh only has 14 offensive linemen on their roster right now. If they lose somebody, they probably want somebody that can step in at any position that needs to be stepped into. And Skipper seems to be a pretty hyper versatile guy. You know, he had the not that I'm calling him Isaac Sayamalu, but Sayamalu was a versatile lineman out of Oregon State. Whenever he came out, and so just the one little parallel again, not saying Skipper is going to become the next Sayamalu, but right uh, when you when you get guys that are in camp, that are conditioned, that are versatile, they're good guys to have on speed dial because you can bring them in, they're ready to go, they can line up anywhere, and those are guys you want to you know always have close to the phone.
0: Yeah, I'll just leave it to this. It, I it's it's not surprising they have some level of interest in them, you know.
1: Right. All right, other news here, local to Pittsburgh, the Steelers releasing Get Ready, drumroll please, their first depth chart of the season, mostly because they have to, not because they want to ahead of their preseason opener against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the depth chart, uh, as you guys know uh, by now, shouldn't put too much stock into it. I actually have an article this morning about what the depth chart gets wrong and really why no one should pay attention to it you know generally speaking is it correct sure in most places but there's some curiosities on the depth chart so what stuck out to you if anything looking at these this uh first initial list dave
0: uh, I like the use of the or <laughs> 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 with uh, the safeties, uh, DeMonte Casey and Keanu Neal. I think that's appropriate. It's something we've talked about. How are those guys going to be used in what situation? Uh, they're both veteran guys. Uh, they both have unfortunately missed some time at the start of training camp as well, too, there. So uh, I think that was more of a nod of, uh, uh, related to yeah, you know, we got two guys that are that are, you know, bring different skill sets to this defense. Uh they're they're it's probably going to be an or situation with them once it gets into the season. You know, either or down a distance or, or 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 personnel uh situation. So I I think that's just one of the things that A was not surprising but B was very appropriate uh when 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 it came to the depth chart. Uh the other thing that that uh, kind of stuck out, and, and and I don't view this as much as a, of a surprise as much as I'm glad to see it. I mean Calvin Austin III, third, right? A guy second year player we've talked uh, quite a bit about. Unfortunately missed his uh, rookie season. We hope uh, stays healthy and and can get into a first preseason game on on Friday night. And yeah, we're gonna be really attentive on him uh, on uh, what he does at the wide receiver position. But I mean this is a guy that you know, you hope can be kick, kick kickoff and punt returner uh, for this team to some degree because of that explosiveness uh, and shiftiness that he has. And uh, he, even though he's never taken a snap in an NFL stadium, uh, he is listed ahead of a guy. I don't know if this is more of, hey, Gunner, you need to, uh," I mean, look, it's been a foregone conclusion that Gunner might be in trouble this offseason here, but uh, it just, I wouldn't say it was eye-opening, but it was quite interesting to see Calvin Austin III listed ahead of of, of Gunnar Olszewski on the returner depth chart with the fact that that Calvin Austin has never played a snap in the NFL yet.
1: Sure, because the way that Pittsburgh usually orders their first depth chart is by veterans ahead of younger players and rookies. And Austin, almost a de facto rookie, second year guy, missing his entire rookie season against a more veteran type in Olszewski. So, I mean, it's notable, I guess, to some small degree, but obviously it's all based on what happens inside stadiums. And that job is still up in the air. I think Pittsburgh wants Austin to win the job, will give him every chance to win the job, but there's no guarantee that he will. When it comes to safety, it's interesting the safety group has not been fully healthy and available on any one given day this camp. And so we don't know what the first team will look like. If you had Minka and Casey and Neil all out there and practicing in full Minka did not begin practicing until just the other day. And now Casey's got an ankle. Neil has a lower body thing. Casey's close to a return. Neil probably a bit further behind. Minka's now fully back. And so you know, when camp opened, it was Casey and Neil running with the first teamers, obviously Minka first teamer free safety, who will be that strong safety Casey or Neil in practice. Hopefully we'll see by the end of camp. I'm not entirely sure if we will probably, but who the heck knows. And so that is kind of one interesting development there. You would think Neil has maybe a bit of a leg up because he just has the size to play that strong safety box role. Casey's a hitter. He's got, you know, impact as as, as a, as a contact guy, but. Neil has kind of that prototypical strong safety size. So that's something I'll be watching for assuming all the safeties can get back healthy.
0: I think the other thing, uh, and we've talked about this a few times and, and, and Tara Austin tried to tell us how it was going to go and, uh, I think I said on one of the special edition uh, podcasts uh, at, at night that sometimes we selectively choose to ignore uh, some things that are right in front of our face. And the fact that they, uh, and I'm talking about Elijah Riley here in this situation, they have him listed as a second team uh, nickel at this point, uh, that that's appropriate based on everything that you've uh, reported coming out of camp at this point. And, and now it's just going to be interesting to see if this is a, Chandon Sullivan or uh Elijah Riley type battle for a roster spot here, or if it's going to be uh both of those guys on the 53, how many, how many total cornerbacks will they uh carry? But I I think just I feel like we have now more of a definitive based off what you're reporting, have reported, what the depth chart uh is is showing, that Elijah Riley is being viewed as a slot you know uh defensive back if you will
1: sure at least in his opportunity to make a real defensive impact on this team i mean he's played more safety than probably slot corner in the nfl although as our jonathan high mentioned he played cornerback at army and so he's kind of got you know a pretty significant dual background there but if he wants to make an impact defensively he could really do so as that run down slot corner he's battling sullivan for that and maybe to a lesser extent um, Duke Dawson. I still think Patrick Peterson kicks inside in passing situations, but these battles um, will continue. So, yeah. I and, think Riley- and, and
0: watch and watch mm-hmm. Elijah Riley during the preseason on special teams, too. I, I think he's more than likely going to be the better special teams player than Chandon Sullivan. Both those guys will probably get some burn on, 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 on special teams. And, you know, look, Elijah Riley's not new to this team overall either. Right.
1: Yeah, he was signed last year. He played in a couple games. I thought he showed well in his limited snaps, and he's a starting wing on the punt team right now. I think it's uh, left wing on the punt team, and so he'll probably be a multi-phase starter in the preseason game, and that's going to give him a leg up for sure.
0: Okay, what else uh, stuck out to you on this?
1: Mostly what's wrong, what just is inaccurate. And again, the team does not spend much time on this, but this is just to illustrate these depth charts don't mean a whole lot. Spencer Anderson listed as the fourth string center. I suppose maybe that's possible, but he's yet to take a, a rapid center. It's the one position he's not played this training camp. So it's funny to see him listed there. He's mostly played tackle and a bit of guard. Um, Nate Herbig only as the backup right guard. He's also played a ton of center. So that's worth noting. Let's see. uh, Defensively, Jonathan Marshall as the fourth string nose tackle. Not a thing. He's not played nose tackle. He's played defensive end. And if there's any other errors here, if I have to go back and check. um, What do you think
0: about Isaiah Loudermilk being listed ahead of Armand Watts? (laughs) Not not, uh, once again, this is we're talking about things that really not going to matter three weeks from now, mm -hmm. you know?
1: It's probably true because when Cam gets days off, Laudamoke is the the starting base right defensive end. I think Watts has probably played more on the left side, but that's probably not inaccurate. I don't think, you know, I don't know if he put much stock into it, but Laudamoke has run with the starters when Hayward's gotten a day off.
0: Do you view, is is Armand Watts a guy that you view as still, as, as a potential bubble player at this point or no?
1: He is. Um I I meant to write this for the the, the morning and I, I mentioned this last night. I'll probably get around to it at some point, but the the depth along the defensive line. We've had this conversation in past camps. I think there's eight guys fighting for seven spots right now. And Watson, Loudermilk, and Pahoco are kind of the, the bottom three. Uh, assuming Leal. you know, he should make it, but he's got to get healthy. He's just been hurt a lot, to, uh, unavailable at this training camp. So it's probably my guess right now. I mean, you could put Adams in there, too. It's kind of a, a, a mess of names right now. Guys, I think they're having good camps. I mean, mess of names in a, in a positive way. Adams looks good. Watts has made plays. I've seen some stuff from Loudermoke. I think the having a really strong camp overall. Benton's coming on strong. So uh, assuming everyone stays healthy and, you know, that's a careful assumption to make, trying to figure out who the defensive linemen are is, is might be one of the most difficult decisions Pittsburgh has. All right. What is your feel in terms of, and I know that obviously you're just kind of going through me and what you've been able to see a little bit online, but it, let's assume they keep seven, which is one more than what they usually keep. But I think seven is going to be the number. Who do you think the odd man out is going to be?
0: All right. I'll, I'll tell you who in my head, and once again, I, I'm going off of what I read and, 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 and what I you know, see, uh, but not what you know physically being there. See, as far as you know, uh, video and and your reports and all like that. Uh, I I still in my head, uh, obviously Ogunjobi, uh Hayward, uh, obviously Keanu Benton's going to be on 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 the fifty-three, uh, Leal, uh, Watts, uh, where else am I?
1: You got Adams. What do you think about Montrevious Adams?
0: Yeah i i, I still have I still view him as more potentially outside of the box than than than, than inside of it. Okay. And then Fajardo uh, uh, is another one. So what do I have there? Six.
1: I think. Did you uh, mention? I, uh, see, hey, too? hey, hey,
0: I don't have I don't have louder milk on the fifty three right now.
1: Okay. Okay. So you have Hayward, Joby. Bin, off. yep.
0: Leal, that's four.
1: Okay.
0: Watts is five. Bohoko is six. That's where I'm at, I think.
1: Okay, so you're going to stick with six. All right, that's possible, but I think the depth of the group right now, it may compel them to keep seven. It would not surprise me right now.
0: And if there was a seventh, then I would lean, I think, towards Loudermilk, I guess.
1: OK, yeah. So it's a good problem to have, obviously, to have this kind of talent in this showing and we'll see what happens inside stadiums. And somebody goes down, could, you know, make that decision easier. That, that sort of happened last year where they had some depth of wide receiver. Stephen Sims came on strong late, Calvin Austin goes down. He was initially kept, but you know he, he was uh, designated to return on, on injured reserve and kind of cleared that spot and solved the quote unquote problem that Pittsburgh had. So it's it's been a really competitive, fun group to watch.
0: And I think the thing with Liao uh, and, and let's say even Loudermilk makes it, let, let's say Liao and Loudermilk both make it as part of seven, right? There, mm-hmm. there, there's been enough of them still using their versatility as stand-up outside linebackers, right? That uh, at this point now, there feels like there's no reason to keep more than four true outside linebackers uh, uh, barring injury uh, in, in Watt, Highsmith, Herbig, and Golden.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think there's a fifth true outside linebacker that deserves it right now. That could always change, but I don't see that guy on the roster right now. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Anything else here from the depth chart? That's probably pretty standard overall. Again, not taking a ton of stock into this, but that is the official depth chart. Let's do some housekeeping here from an injury standpoint. I'll pull up my report from yesterday on Sunday. A lot of vets getting days off. That seems to be typical of Sunday practices. But in terms of actual injuries, not participating due to injury on Sunday were Keanu Neal. The safety, running back John Lovett, uh, John Lovett, excuse me, safety, DeMonte Casey, wide receiver, Jamarcus Bradley, cornerback, Joey Porter, and outside linebacker, Nick Herbig. During practice, Mike Tomlin said Trey Norwood suffered a leg injury of some sort. He's being evaluated. DeMarvin Lial was limited, but he looks close to a return, and that's important for him. Neil seems to be lower body, same with Lovett, Casey ankle, Bradley hamstring, Porter ankle, and Nick Herbig, a right hip flexor. None of them seem to be too long-term, too severe. Porter seems fine, just getting a day there for him. Um, So, again, overall, knock on wood, but Pittsburgh in a pretty good place health-wise.
0: All right, and let's knock on wood and hope that continues.
1: For sure. Where do you want to go from here, Dave? Do you want to get into our Kendrick Green conversation? I know we've talked about him a couple times already, but kind of on a Monday episode just to kind of really dive into what's going on with him.
0: I figure let's wrap this into like a, a top five most intriguing, su- surprising, didn't see coming kind of storylines of camp at this point, obviously, look, we, uh, hopefully everybody's been following along on the nightly podcast. We don't, you know, the things we've done in the past, when it comes to that as we ended up duplicating a lot of info from those practices, I want to try to stay away from that as best as we can. So I figured let's talk about maybe the five biggest developments uh, slash surprises uh, in that, that, you know, you basically is what you have observed and what's being mm-hmm. reported that I'm going to chime in on, because obviously I'm not I'm, I'm not there. But, you know, I see I'm still very omnipresent, <laughs> 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 if, if you will. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's the the a number one biggest storyline, but I, I think the fact that what's happening with Kendrick Green at fullback is one of the more let's say, top five things at this point, at developments in training camp so far. Would you agree?
1: I would. That's top of my list. And kudos to you. You've been more open and advocating for the idea of playing Kendrick Green at fullback and trying something with him than I was. I didn't think it would happen. I didn't have a particular appetite for it. But so far, it's looked good. Now, it's only been a couple practices. And do I think Kendrick Green's next Patrick Ricard playing 600 snaps for the Steelers offensively. No, not at all, but you're going to keep trying this thing and using this thing because it's working. And until it stops working, why not just keep continuing it? And you wrote the article that went up, I think early, uh, right at midnight uh, on Sunday, Monday that, you know, bet, bet a bottom dollar on Kendrick Green playing fullback in a game. And I'm with you hundred percent. He should be used, used there. I think he will be used there. How will it go? Who knows? He probably won't have the crushing blocks and the big plays that, uh, he's had so far in, in practice, but who the heck knows? It'll be fun. And I think we're going to see it.
0: All right. Let me, let me quantify my original thoughts on this. And they go all the way back to, to, to late in the 2021 season after we'd seen uh, quite a bit of uh Kendrick green uh, at, at center uh, at that point, I mean, look, uh, it, it was a rough rookie season for Kendrick Green, but one of the things that stuck out to me the most uh, was his ability to play out in space and on the move, and and the physicality uh, uh, of him. I mean, look, he he he's a very physical guy. Uh, the things that that really hurt him were just straight off play trying to come off of the line and sustain blocks and stay on his feet uh, that way. But you know, when, when Kendrick green uh, uh, in his rookie season was out in space and on the move, I I thought he played well. Now those were very, very few and far between situations. And that prompted me to tweet out, you know what, uh, Kendrick green would make one hell of a fullback. It wasn't a predictive that this would happen. It's more of, (laughs) Maybe the guy plays like a fullback out in space uh, there. And then fast forward to uh, this past May, uh, I think Vince Williams put out there, you know, Kendrick Green would be a good fullback. And then we talked about that. And I explained at that time, my reasonings of why I would not be angry at all. Once the team got into OTAs to see or hear, you know, Kendrick Green playing some fullback. Well, lo and behold, Mike Tomlin this past week after, you know, the Friday night lights, uh, 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 re Kendrick green being reborn, if you will. <laughs> uh, and look, I, I think it's a great storyline overall for Kendrick green. This is a guy that, you know, most of us have been down on because of his play on offense line. He obviously didn't play any snaps last year. Uh, you go into this, this, this training camp thinking this this kid doesn't have a shot in. Hell, of making the 53, and you know, even Mike Tomlin, in, in in some recent interviews, say, "Look, my my job is to put these guys in situations to give them a chance," and I I think this is kind of a a a a byproduct of it. Uh now h- here we are. We have reached a stage where Kendrick Green is getting some fullback slash H back, you know, uh, uh, kind of snaps. Uh, you you fast. You, you, you fast forward even to, to the, uh, Sunday practice and him, you reporting that he went down and worked with the running backs, uh, and, and, and tight ends before moving on over to the offensive line drills, steelers.com put up a video of him running the, <laughs> the, the, uh, the gauntlet drill, uh, Uh, Defabo from the athletic, put up a video after practice of Kendrick green, uh, on the jugs machine there. Uh, How's that
1: for a sentence you didn't think you'd ever see. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, didn't, didn't see that one coming, uh, midway through training camp. Yeah. And there's Kendrick green on the jugs machine working on his hands. Uh, at this point, that's why I wrote what I wrote at, at, at midnight was, I mean, I don't see how, and and people say, okay, is this a ruse to give the Tampa Bay Buccaneers something to think about? Look, they don't give one crap iota Mm -hmm. what Tampa Bay is planning for or not planning for in a preseason game here. The Steelers are doing what they want to do because they want to put players in positions to to see them compete, to, to give them a chance here. So none of this, in my opinion, is a quote unquote ruse. I think it's been kind of funny to watch Kendrick Green in these interviews and him asked about how does he think this might continue into a preseason game and he tries to play it down and he's not doing a very great job of doing it because the kid's excited. I I mean, and did you write yesterday that that there seems to be pep in his step since Friday?
1: Yeah, the dude came down the stairs. I mean, he was smiling, getting high fives. He jumped up and high five stealing McBeam, and and we mentioned this briefly on the podcast. That's just good for his confidence, and maybe sure. that'll carry over to offensive line play. I mean, I understand. Listen if he whiffs on a block playing center against Tampa Bay, he's going to get all the crap and people say, ah, he sucks. The fullback thing, stupid. Go cut the guy. I-, I know this thing could turn very, very quickly, but for the moment to have some confidence because it has been a tough couple years for him. That's just good for a psyche.
0: I would agree. All right. Now, uh, a- a- at this point, I, I will be shocked if he does not get one or three or 13 snaps <laughs> <laughs> against Tampa, uh, you know, as a and look, you know, they they don't have Monty Potterbaum on, on the roster anymore. Uh how much is Connor Hayward actually even gonna play in this game against Tampa? Uh, you know, I, I would imagine he's gonna play some, but I mean, are you gonna have him in there past do you need to have him in there past the first, let's say, quarter or first half? No. Uh uh, will it happen before or after? Uh, Kendrick Green gets his work on on offensive line I don't know we'll see but I'm convinced he's going to play some fullback in this game uh, uh, against Tampa Bay all right and and you would agree at this point right we can we can end that part of that conversation I think
1: 100% just a real quick sidebar did did Monty walk so Kendrick could run had Monty <laughs> bomb not retired would this have, would this even be a conversation right now?
0: I don't know, but if going back to what Mike Tomlin said uh, uh, this past week about you know this is something that they worked with ahead of a Baltimore game because of Ricard and all like that yada yada. I don't know. I don't think it matters at this point. But sure. uh, uh, now let's have the conversation of what does this truly mean? Let's say Kendrick Green is the uh, best offensive lineman quasi fullback uh sense regard or, or or what have you let's say he just uh splits some skulls in the back backfield and and has a good showing against tampa bay in in that role assuming that happens what does it mean about his chances uh of, of, of making the 53man roster at that point uh you want to go first or, or you want me to continue on
1: no, I mean I I again we're all trying to fact find and figure this thing out. And I'm not making any determinations today, and nor is the team, but you gotta keep how many linemen have to be active on game day to get the extra Eight. spot? Eight. Right. Because I'm, Eight I'm to, trying to think if he could be that eighth guy, you know, just as a backup lineman, but would would occasionally get to play, you know, a couple snaps if need be as a fullback type of guy. I'm just trying to walk through the number of offensive linemen and who's going to be kept around him. You have your starting five, let Let's whatever you want to do at left tackle. I'm going to just put Dan Moore there because he's been getting the majority of first-team reps right now. So there's your starting five, plus Broderick Jones, plus uh, Nate Herbig. That's seven. And then from there, there isn't a clear eighth man to be kept. They're, of course, going to keep at least eight and probably nine. And so in theory... Could you have Green as that eighth offensive lineman who's not really the next man up a tackle, obviously, or guard or center, because Herbert could be those guys. And then, you know, Green could still be a backup interior guy, like, you know, second, second option. Um, and maybe play a bit of fullback from from time to time.
0: The that- the the big thing here, well, a first and foremost, you you hit on. They're going to keep at least eight offensive linemen. It'll be surprising if they don't keep nine, to be quite right. honest with you. Right. Uh, and, and they could keep as many as ten if they if they needed to. Now, look, in, uh, anything that happens between now and the start of the season injury injury wise could re reshape all of that at this point. But let's say they keep nine, all right? And then let's say let's just suppose, and I'm I'm not predicting this right right yet. But let's suppose Kendrick Green is one of those nine. Odds are you had you're you're going to dress eight for a game, All right. Mm-hmm. And if Herbig, if if Herbig ends up being one of the eight that you dress, that's because he's the you know a better interior line o- o- option. And if you, whoever the Whoever the, I, I that's the thing here. You got five starters and you, you're probably going to dress eight. So, um, uh, you, one of those, one of those, uh, extra, one of those eight that you dress would obviously be, you know, your non-starting tackle, which right mm-hmm. now would probably be Broderick Jones, right?
1: Yeah, that has a different can of worms because he's not played the right. right tackle. And how does that work? But we'll we'll put that aside for the moment.
0: But he, he's more than likely going to get a helmet regardless of what happens.
1: Yes. Yeah. Short answer. Yes.
0: Okay. So five, six, uh, Herbig seven, you know, then, then becomes uh, who who is your eighth dressed offensive lineman? Uh, is it going to be a more tackle releg- relegated guy? Uh, Or is it going to be a more interior uh, relegated guy? And remember, you still have Kevin Dotson on this, on this roster until further notice, you know Uh, it would behoove green to show the position to a, to, to show some improvement as an offensive lineman and B show that he can play some fullback for this team starting Friday night against Tampa uh there. And I don't know how, if you could get him on any special teams units, maybe it's an up. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're going
1: I, to a different I, place. I, I'm just, I, I'm, I get it.
0: I'm just saying, I'm not saying, I'm just saying if you could somehow get him in on one of these special teams units, even, even on field goal team or whatnot, you know, Uh, if you could do that, that would, and, and assuming he has a good showing on, uh, as a fullback, you could then start bringing him, I think back into the, into the picture of potentially making a 53, but there's a lot of ifs in there because, uh, it, it starts first and foremost uh, with us thinking that they're going to keep at least nine offensive linemen, Mm -hmm. but, but then you've got to get into beyond that. OK, if he's going to be one of those nine, especially if he does not win the backup, sit, the true backup center role uh, with this team, how do you justify giving him a helmet on game days?
1: Here's a, a thought, a, a path to him being active. Let's say this team keeps nine and it's the, the starting five plus a backup tackle. We'll just call it Broderick Jones for the moment, plus Nate Herbig. So those are your top two backups, Jones and Herbig. You keep Kevin Dotson inactive on game day for long-term injury. Say you lose a starting guard and then Dotson can can go up from there and then greens the kept as one of those nine as the ace and final active offensive lineman who can play backup you know, third-string center in a pinch and play fullback for you. Maybe that's a way to do things where Dotson is kept because if you needed him to actually play snaps offensively longer term, he's around. You want him over Kendrick Green, but Green can still actually give you value. It's generally speaking that eighth offensive lineman, if he's active, isn't helping you out really at all. He's not playing at all. You know, he's not giving me anything. So that actually could. Yeah, be a Jesse Davis, advantage. right? Right. He just, you know, he play, plays on field goal team, but, but you know, and that's put anybody out there basically to to do that. So you're know, generally speaking, that eighth offensive lineman who's active in, because you need him to be active to get the extra spot does nothing for you. If Green can do generally nothing but play here and there fullback, that actually creates some real value for that spot.
0: I would agree. I would agree with everything that you said there. I think the only thing at that point is, is, uh, do you make a decision because you have three tackles? Are you going to dress an additional somebody that's got, you know, some tackle experience because let, you know, God forbid you got into a game and you went through, you had two injuries at tackle, right? Who? Yeah.
1: But that happened, if, you, if that happens to anybody in a game, sure. you're really up against it. Uh, sure. Nate Herbig, did he play tackle in college at all? At Stanford, was he? is there any tackle background there? With him?
0: I uh, have to look. I don't – if it happened, it, it obviously – I don't think it happened a ton. I, I can look. Sure.
1: The, the real issue with tackle, to go into that for a second, and I, I've made this point for, for quite some time since before camp. Let's just say for a second Dan Moore does win the left tackle job. Broderick Jones is not really equipped to be a swing guy, to, to play right tackle, and could that compel this team to keep and dress a Raven Clark? Just for that right tackle experience, that might be the monkey wrench that gets thrown into this whole conversation.
0: Sure, uh, sure, I I, I understand which, which way you're going there.
1: Now you could, in theory, if a core forever went down in game and Moore's at left tackle, flip him and move Moore to right tackle because he's gotten work there and will continue to get work there, and have Jones commit at left tackle. That's plausible. It's messier, but it is a way to to, to go about fixing that.
0: Right. Uh, let's see. I'm looking back. Uh, regress- I know if
1: Herbig did it, it's very little. I'm just wondering if there's any sort of a background. Like, has he ever taken a pass set? Has he ever kick slid, uh, had a kick slide at a tackle before? Just to, to do that if you had to in a real emergency situation.
0: He actually <laughs> – PFF gets a lot of crap. At times, but man, some of their, some of their stuff is, 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 is pretty decent here as far as positional and all 2016 four snaps at Stanford at right tackle
1: at true right tackle, not even tackle eligible.
0: I mean, he's got some tight end eligible inline okay. stuff that they list here as well. Okay, too. Then it should be fourteen total inline stuff, and then four additional snaps at, in one game at right tackle. Let me move to two thousand. We, we gotta go
1: find those snaps. I gotta see what that looked like. <laughs>
0: Lord knows we can. We, we will. If they're out there, we're gonna find them. Uh, I'm not seeing anything in 2017 outside uh uh you know, he's got some field goal right tackle
1: yeah, that's not
0: uh doesn't count. snaps there. Uh 2018, uh 28 snaps in week four at right tackle. You're gonna have to. Mm-hmm. we're, we're going to have to drill down and find those, yeah. uh, 2018. And, has- and that was his final season at Stanford. Was it not? Yes. Yes. All right. So 28 snaps at right tackle. And what did I say uh, prior to that four in 2016? Why, why are, here we are. I mean, it's, this is what we do. I guess we're talking about Nate Herbig. Yeah. This is a
1: conversation hey, for us and us only. So we're very right. sorry to our listeners.
0: Yeah, this is one of those conversations that, you know, you guys just happen to be listening in <laughs> on. And these are the kind of things that for some reason dominate that, that power Alex and I for sometimes. but it, mm-hmm. uh, long, long story short here, he has played some right tackle in college.
1: Yeah. So if you had to, and obviously you would not want to, but that is an option. If you want to go even crazier, Darno Washington is there and I and I just referenced that because the Atlanta Falcons had this happen a couple of years back where they lost a bunch of tackles in in a game and they had their tight end he was a big guy like Washington Levine Toilolo, and he had to play right tackle in the second half of that game and obviously that is a dire situation to be in but if you ever gotten something just in, completely insane just the worst luck against you after, after having the best injury luck last year along the offensive line Darno Washington's an option
0: yeah. Good point. Good point on you there. Uh, I, I guess. Okay. Now, now let's, let's back this back up again. Uh, a it's, it's a, it's a, it's a development with green playing fullback. I think now at this point you can have the type of conversations that we just had, that there is a pl- plausible path to the 53. Uh, and especially if he does look, this might power him to have a great kick, great preseason game on the offensive line. Right.
1: Hopefully it gives him some confidence. I would right. just say in terms of the offensive line, because there's negatives here too. Hey, he's only worked at center and I don't right. think he's looked particularly good there. He still struggles with technique and Meyer's system and being able to deal with finesse and when guys attack the edges. And so I'm still concerned about how he'll look as actually a true center in this game. And he'll definitely get snaps in this opener. So like I said, this warm can turn very quickly where the excitement of the fullback is there and it's real and it's awesome. But one miss block, one pressure, one quarterback who gets crunched, and we're back to Kendrick Green sucks again.
0: Sure. Sure. But uh it 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 is one of the more notable things that have happened uh with this team midway through training camp.
1: Absolutely. What else is on that list, Steve? I think Kenny Robinson, the emergence of Kenny Robinson, the playmaking that he's had, his third interception of camp. Was recorded yesterday Yesterday on a deep ball, kind of a chuck and pray from rookie quarterback Tanner Morgan. But Robinson is a guy with a real knack for the football, getting a ton of reps, a ton of opportunity with all the safety injuries and absences. And that's a guy pushing hard for a roster spot.
0: Yeah, uh, that is uh, that would be in the top five for sure. And what does Mike talk? One man's misfortune or uh, creates your opportunity for another guy. And we've talked about him quite a bit in the uh, nightly podcast. Uh, he's a guy that outside of when he was originally uh, signed by this team during the off season, we we didn't pay much mind to. And it's one of the reasons why you just cannot. Just say everybody signed to reserve future deals or, or added in, in May is just a, you know, camp body, if you will. Uh, it, I obviously haven't seen a single snap of his, uh, during training camp, but from everything that you've, you've told me, a, he's, he's stayed available, uh, Mm -hmm. B, He's, it's not like he's new to the game he's actually played some meaningful NFL snaps with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the position he plays is one where there could be some question as far as some depth uh, goes with the with the Steelers in this roster and I think to this point based on everything you've you've reported, uh, he's represented himself well and he's got him in a himself in a position where you have to I think seriously consider him as a, as a 53-man roster candidate.
1: I think he's battling Trey Norwood. They're going to keep five safeties. I think four spots are pretty sewn up with Minka Fitzpatrick, DeMonte Casey, Keanu Neal, and Miles Killebrew. Elijah Riley can also play safety, but he's getting those looks in as that rundown slot corner that we mentioned earlier. But you got four safeties. Don't Six is really pushing it. So you got a fifth safety spot. And I think it's Norwood who's having a good camp as well against Robinson. That, that's going to be a battle that may go down to, to the very end.
0: And I think when it comes to him, obviously, we want to see him play some safety in his first preseason game. But watch how much burn he gets on special teams and how he performs in that. Just look at his overall physicality too. listed as a free safety. But I think you've said he's he's been down low a couple of times as well, too. Pretty good. Seems to be a pretty physical guy for what you would think most prototypical free safeties uh, would be. He's got some. He's a big boy, too, isn't he?
1: Yeah, what's the exact listing on him? He's definitely got size. He's a hitter. I mean, he's you know right. might be a free safety with with ball skills, but he's not. And I hate to pick on him with the the annual reference of Gerard Holliman the the free safety with ball skills that can't tackle. He is not that kind of guy. He's listed coming out at six, basically 6'1", 202. So there's definitely some size with him.
0: Okay, all right. So uh, uh, a very interesting development midway through through camp. Uh, he's got himself in a in in in, in a really good position uh, as this team trends towards their first preseason game
1: other surprises kind of bouncing off the green point some of the flexibility with the defensive linemen defensive ends turned outside linebackers Isaiah a lot been playing on his feet a lot especially the last few practices uh, even James Mwaya, the rookie from Merrimack got some some burn there as a stand-up outside linebacker I think Pittsburgh really testing the limits of what these guys can do especially with the Marvin Leal out who's kind of you know, I think drawing Pittsburgh to to using those guys as defense alignment slash stand-up linebackers, I don't know if this is really going to be a long-term serious discussion with Loudermoke and, and even somebody like Mwaiya because they're not as athletic as, as Leal is, but they're at least toying around with the idea. And just like Green playing fullback, I did not have Laudermoke playing outside linebacker on my bingo card this training camp.
0: All right, and I'll circle this back to our depth chart uh, discussion earlier in the show here uh in doing that. And if this team does end up keeping, let's say, seven, you know, uh defensive linemen in total. And if Leal and Loudermilk are two of those seven there, I think it punctuates uh the fact that this team is only going to keep four outside linebackers in total.
1: Correct. I think even if they weren't doing that, they'd probably still only keep four because sure. I don't know who that fifth would be that would, you know, that's really earning that spot right now. But, you know, again, that that's one of those break glass in case of emergencies. Let's say you lose a guy mid game that happened in week one last year when Watt went down late and Leal picked up some snaps there on the flight outside linebacker. And that plan solidified more the following weeks before Leal uh, tore his meniscus. So you just, you're just seeing what guys can do because you never know. You want to maximize your, your roster, both your 53 man roster and your your game day roster, um, which is more limited. And so the more those guys can do, the more hats they can wear, the better prepared you'll be for whatever happens during a game.
0: Good Lord. I'm watching this. I've got on a live look at some of this little league world series in this picture for, Kansas looks like he belongs in the major leagues, man. <laughs> that, that's a big kid there. All right. I'm sorry to get distracted. There, I was thinking what, what major league baseball game is this on? Is, is, <laughs> that's a big kid, uh tall kid uh, uh, on, on the mound, I think for Kansas there. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. That's uh, that, that, that's a nice development uh, brought up by you. Uh, the next kind of, I guess development, if you will be, probably not shocking, but it's a development nonetheless uh, since the start of camp, uh, the addition of uh, Quan Alexander.
1: Yeah, and frankly, I was pretty surprised to hear his name brought in with all the other veteran signings. But as you kind of said, they waited Alexander out, and he's been a really pleasant addition. I think the inside backers across the board have been impressive. I know it's camp. It does not guarantee that they're going to replicate this success during the season, but Alexander's brought energy, intensity, physicality. To me, Cole Hokum has had a really strong camp overall. Um, you know, Mark Robinson has has gotten a lot of work with the ones. Landon Roberts has been physical. I think top to bottom, this group has been strong. But Alexander's certainly an addition and, and a positive one at that. And again, I just go back to I know that there's been some comments he's brought in for depth, and he's not pushing for a starting spot. That that may be true but I can't see this guy sitting on the bench and just running down kicks and punts all season. I think he's going to find a way to have some sort of defensive role.
0: All right. Uh, I I would agree with everything you said. And that's, 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 uh, you know, uh, uh, one, I would think qualifies for a top five kind of development, if you will, in, in, in training camp. Uh, What would you, what would you list as number five?
1: I don't know if this is shocking because he's had good camps in the past, but just how, Firmly, Anthony McFarland has held on to that third running back spot. There's really been no competition for him. Now Alfonso Graham got hurt, Torres Labram, but McFarland's had a good camp overall. The reps that he's gotten and all the pony, two running back looks, the the work he's done as a receiver has probably been better than what I've seen before, even as a pass protector and some of the backs on backers. Will probably never be really a, a great pass protector, but I've seen improvement there, and that's something to to hang your hat on. Now, what he, what can he offer on special teams is always going to be the question with him, because even if he's catching the ball well, is he going to get offensive playing time? It's going to be tough. Typically, that third running back in Pittsburgh has to be kind of a multi phase or special teamer, the way that Benny Snow was. But just in a vacuum, this camp, McFarland has been strong, and in, in terms of the internal options, has a stranglehold on that third
0: running back spot. I would just counter that. Uh, but no, look, I, w- without a doubt, from from everything you know that that's out there, he he's having a really really nice camp. Uh, I would just counter that in saying, is weren't we having this same conversation last year to some degree?
1: We were to some degree, but I think as a receiver, McFarland has been more prolific. I think in the moments I've seen from him as a blocker, there's been some improvement, and there's not a Jalen Warren this year that's gonna take away his roster spot that guy's not emerging now I do think it's possible this team would still go outside the organization a waiver claim a late addition ad late in the process that could surprise us if they want somebody who can play more on special teams if McFarland can't prove that over these next couple of weeks but I think it does have a different feel this year
0: okay uh let's 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 have a five A and a five B. Yours being five A, and I'll I'll tack on a five B here.
1: That's a good question. I'm trying to. Get uh, all I, my
0: I I'll 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 bring up a a a suggestion. Uh, just okay. a, Elijah Riley.
1: Okay, And you know, I I I was debating if I should have put him on my my pre-camp roster. I did mention him a couple times because I knew there'd be some some reps there for him. But you're right. I think you know he's really a guy that was probably either right on the bubble or right outside of it before camp began, I would probably put him on the inside uh, half of the bubble right now.
0: I view it more as a, we've got, we feel like we have a more definitive on what they think of him as, as being the development.
1: That's probably true. I think, again, there's just more of an, I,
0: I think they viewed him as a safety,
1: but they saw the opportunity to be that, that corner and he's got a profile to do it. And so they just wanted to, to see what he could do there. So I, I, I don't know if they, I think they like him at safety. They played him at safety last year, but they said, well, the, the safety room's pretty full right now. Slot corners open. What can you, what can you do there? Let's throw you into the mix. And so that, that's probably their calculation.
0: And I don't want to, I don't want to frame, frame that one as, as being a surprise, because once again, uh, if you go back to what Terrell Austin said several weeks ago, he tried to tell us, <laughs> you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I, I just think, through your reporting and and, and what you've seen and, and all that's gone on is, is it just feels like we've got a more definitive of, of how they think of him.
1: Sure. Okay. I take that for mine. Kind of goes back to the D line. I, I, I would go just individually. Well, now we're
0: into five C right? Because we've got Kendrick green. We've got Kenny Robinson. We've got Alexander. We've got the position flexibility of, of louder milk, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Anthony McFarland is five. A we've got, uh, Riley is five B. So you're, you're, you're going to bring right. a five C in there.
1: I'll, I'll end on a five C here with Braden Fajoko. I think he's looked strong run run defense has been stout. Can't move that guy. And I thought he showed a bit more quickness and ability to one gap and get up field than I expected. All right. So I'm trying to find. You know, I know that hope springs eternal in camp and it's not all sunshine and roses. And when they get in the preseason, you're going to see some good. You're going to see some bad. I'm trying to think about some of the the more negative things of training camp. I generally admittedly kind of go in with a more positive view of training camp. And it's always, you know, one guy makes a bad play means somebody made a good play and vice versa. Um, so I don't know what exactly is jumping to mind right now. It is a little and I'm not blaming him, but. You know, The Marvin Leal has missed a lot of time this summer, and uh, hopefully he gets healthy. He looks pretty close to, to getting all the way back, but I just want to learn more about this guy because the D-line room is getting competitive, and I want to get a better evaluation of the Marvin Leal. All
0: right, fair enough, and I think obvious an obvious uh, negative uh, thing that's happened since the start of camp is the injury to Corey Trice Jr.,
1: Sure. Yeah, that one Uh, There's a great post by our Dr. Melanie Friedlander on the site this morning, kind of giving an overview of uh, what's going on with Corey Trice. Um, Don't know for sure. It's still us kind of just walking through some of the possibilities, but check that out. And that's, uh, you know, in in some sense, it's only been one major injury, but one major injury still really hurts uh, figuratively, literally with Corey Trice because he was having a good camp. And, uh, you know, it's it sucks that his season is over. Yeah, absolutely. And not that it's, it's a surprise, but to see the rookies overall playing well and, and improving, Joey Porter Jr. has been really strong. on Washington, tough start to camp. He's gotten better. Um, but, yeah, Joey Porter Jr., to me, is somebody that's going to push, not just for playing time. We kind of knew that when he got drafted, but he's going to push hard for a starting role come week one.
0: All right. Uh, where are we now in this show? Do we, do we get everything that we wanted to kind of uh, cover, and we wanted to keep this one to about an hour. So do we want to get to some emails here and, and start closing out or no?
1: Yeah, we had everything we had to hit. Let's get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show. Just a reminder, Dave and I will have a our first uh, camp live stream Q&A tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern time on my YouTube channel. Just search Alex Kazora. Dave and I will answer your questions for the first time this training camp, at least in, in that particular format.
0: All right, let's get to uh, Chris Lookhart right Saying, hey guys could we see kg get some carries in the third or fourth co- quarter this coming preseason game chris uh I, I i feel like we've 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 answered your question uh well well before you asked it here so uh uh hopefully you enjoyed the the, uh, the kendrick green uh, i i will say this i will be surprised if if not, well he says carry specifically mm-hmm. uh in there so i guess it is kind of a new question uh might he get one carry in a uh, uh, short or, or let or what? Let's let's call it one touch. Might he get one cu- touch in this uh, preseason game on Friday night? I, I, I think it's plausible that you could see that.
1: I think they're going to run a boot. Uh, the way that he's gotten his two catches so far is they you know, run play action. They usually set it up with a run play and then boot off of it. And then Green's in the flat. He's been wide open the two times so far. So that I, I think will get a target. Does he catch it? Does a defender make a play? I don't know. Will he get a carry? I don't think he's gonna get a carry. I mean, who the heck knows? Maybe they're gonna have some fun with it. But
0: man, if you think... got if you got somehow in the third in the fourth quarter of this mm. game and you're in the goal line situation right. there, <laughs> uh my mind's racing here. Uh uh fullback dive by uh Kendrick Green for a touchdown and and uh probably the most epic uh offensive lineman spiked by a Steelers since Ramon Foster a couple years ago. Mm,
1: right. He had some legendary spikes. Well, I, I do want to, I don't want to be the uh, the Debbie downer over here, but Kendrick Green's still going to play a lot of offensive line. And so you're not going to get any fullback work if you're going to be playing center. And so green should probably get a ton of work here in the second half of this game. So that's going to limit the opportunities for him to play offensive line or uh, play fullback.
0: All right. Uh, App. At- Gator writes in, I had always thought that Kendrick, boy, this has become the Kendrick Green show. Uh, I had always thought that Kendrick Green's uh, defici- deficiencies as a lineman warranted a position change. I know it's harder than it sounds, but I recently came across uh, uh, you know the stories on Green as a fullback. Sounds like he didn't look half bad either. Does he make the 53 if the experiment works? Well, that's one that we definitely kind of addressed earlier in the show as well, too. So let's not spend too much time on that. Hopefully you enjoy Everybody enjoyed the conversation that we had on, 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 on Kendrick Green. Uh, let's see. Uh, Todd Gensler writes in, thanks for not being fanboys. Hey, fellas, surprise that fans were upset for Alex reporting the news of Kenny Pickett having a bad day a few days ago. As athletes, they can't all be good. Be good regarding practice. I, for one, applaud you sharing how you saw it. Uh, My word, people, can be soft, he says. I don't want to hear fanboy talk if the product is indicating otherwise. We can all agree that although Pickett came on strong at the end of last season, no doubt he will definitely need to take a giant step forward in year two for the Steelers to be successful. All of that is objective. Uh, is is it's what really counts, not our feelings of wanting Kenny to look good, especially when there are times he doesn't look, Todd, you, you you know, and, you know, everybody that we 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 tend to drive some listeners away from this show because we are so objective at time. And look, Alex, since Alex reported not and I don't think Alex so much said he you know, had an awful day as much as you said, it wasn't pr- probably his best day, but he followed up with a couple of good practices starting on, was it third? It was Thursday it was the and day then- after yeah. It, it was Thursday into Friday night lights. Right.
1: Yeah, I think I can't. The timeline all runs together. I think
0: Wednesday practice. was the day that you thought was kind of meh. And then I think he followed up with a good showing on Thursday. And then the Friday night's lights practice was was uh, was good on top of it, if my memory serves me.
1: OK, well, regardless. Yeah, I mean, listen, they're not all going to have good days. And I, and I just said, you know, I, I generally have an optimistic and positive slant towards training camp. What I'm trying to put on rose colored glasses, but. And again, when somebody's making a, ba- a, ba- a bad play, somebody's always making a, a good play. That's how camp works when you're going against yourself. Um, there's always that that push and pull. But if somebody has a, a not great day, then then we're going to tell you about it. And that's you know, in our notes. It's in um, our conversation. And we try to just try to be fair. And, and, and again, when I say somebody has a bad day, I don't lose sleep over that. I think other people lose more sleep over that than I do. I know it's one day, and I've seen the ebbs and flows of camps. I've been going there for a decade now. One bad day does not mean you're gonna have a bad day the next day, or a bad season, or a bad game. Whatever the case is, these things ebb and flow so much, and so I just put it out there. That's what happened today. It has no uh, bearing on what could happen tomorrow, and you take it from there.
0: Look, one one play happens in uh, in 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 training camp, and you see two sides going against each other <laughs> right away with the, with the fan base. Oh, well, he he didn't do this, or he he did do this, and and it, it, you can't get, you can't be a prisoner in a moment. You got to look at this thing in, in, in totality. That's why we send Alex to every training camp practice. And that's why we talk it out every night. And then we start to try to form m- more opinions of what the 53 what this squad is going to look like 53 wise and look i put a lot of stock into the pre, preseason games i'm going to start learning a lot more about this team based off of what alex has told building off of what alex has reported once we get into the preseason here so look these are just daily observations as part of the process and you know it's hate to see you know hopefully we're not you know, viewed as people that draw hard conclusions off of one practice. Yeah, and we're or not one and, one play.
1: And and when Calvin Austin had a tough start to camp, we said that and then he got a whole lot better. And and that's why, you know, I'll probably reference him in the future of, you know, guys that have maybe a poor first day not to freak out about. I noted it, but you, you move on, you see how it goes, especially when the pads come on. It's a it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. This, this training camp, this preseason process. And so a guy like Austin, maybe a tougher start, Knocked off some of the rust, having good days since. And and that's why you take the long view of training camp.
0: All right. I got through uh, all the most recent uh, emails here, Alex. So I think we can wrap this up. Once again, Alex and I will have a, uh, uh, what do we call it? Live uh, YouTube live stream Mm -hmm. session Monday night, seven o'clock Eastern. Hope everybody is able to join us for that for an hour to answer, uh, more of your questions. Uh, the Steelers are off on Monday. They'll be back on at it on Tuesday. Alex will be back out at, uh, late Uh, for that, we will have a, um, Tuesday night, a special edition of the Terrible Podcast uh, for about 35 minutes to recap that. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, TheTerriblePodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button, upright, navigational bar. Also, if you'd like an ad-free version of the site, uh, SteedersDepot.com and hit the uh, ad-free button, upright, navigational bar. I think Alex has got a camp Stats update coming for uh, uh, readers and listeners here in uh, sometime uh, on this uh, Monday. So look for Steelers Deep. Look on Steelers Depot uh, for that as well too. So as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.